If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure you get one. Surviving the rat race. How many of you are busy during the week? You busy? Busy Saturday and Sunday? Most of us are very, very busy. Life in general is so fast that, and with each passing year, it speeds up. Can you say amen to that one? May we at times take a visit to Mayberry, where stress is almost non-existent, where people sit on the front porch after supper and talk for hours. We don't do that much anymore, do we? Where people watch the sunsets more than they watch television, where no one hurries anywhere and the pace of life is so relaxed and easy that everyone has the time the time to actually know everyone else. We get to know our neighbors. Let's look at how Jesus handled the rat race of life. As most of you know, we're in the book of Mark. As Brother Larry said, I would encourage you to read the book of Mark and study that. And what I want to do is take this first chapter today and look at certain scriptures and look at how Jesus, how Jesus handled the rat race. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. Mark uses this word, immediate, immediately, often in his writings. Mark 1, 35 and 39, now in the morning, having risen a long while before the daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he what? There he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Verse 39, And he was preaching in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. If anyone was busy, you say, Pastor, I'm too busy to come to church on Wednesday night. I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to pray. If anyone was busy, it was Jesus Christ. Notice just in this first chapter of the book of Mark, he was baptized. And we all remember that account of how Jesus was baptized. He came up out of the water, and there appeared unto him a dove, which was representing of the Holy Spirit. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. This is after he was baptized. Number three, then he came to Galilee, immediately began to preach. Jesus was very busy. He left there and he called four of his disciples as he walked by the sea. Then he went to Capernaum and immediately went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the Bible says, uses this, these two words, as soon, as soon as they left the synagogue, they were in, they went into Peter's house. And most of us know that story, how that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Jesus ministered unto him, and to her, and of course she was healed. 
And then the Bible says in the latter part of Mark, he ministered to many after the sunset. In other words, he worked late into the night. He was very busy. He was about his father's business. Many of us are very busy. Many of us burn the candle at both ends, so to speak. And you say, Pastor, I don't know what to do about it. I'm busy at my job. I'm busy with my family. I'm busy here. I'm busy there. Well, Jesus teaches us how to deal with it. Because if you look at this scripture, you'll find despite Jesus' busy ministry, he sought time to pray. He carved out time to pray. Look at what it says again, that which we read to you. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. He took time to pray. He was busy. Despite Jesus' busy ministry, he sought time to pray. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, when, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized, uh, verse, uh, chapter 12 of verse 6. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued, how long? All night in prayer. Eighteen times. In the New Testament, there is reference to Jesus Christ either praying or his recorded prayer. Eighteen times. And yet, as I said, if anyone was busy, he was busy. Verse 18 of chapter 9. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, who do the crowds say that I am? In other words, he was by himself in prayer. And then he asked his disciples later on. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to have a good time. He went up into the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. He took time to pray despite his busy, busy schedule. Jesus shows the need of prayer to sustain spiritual effectiveness. Last night was a wonderful evening. I sat or and I stood and I worshiped and we worshiped. There were about 60 people here in worship last night. And I looked at my watch and I could not believe how fast the time had gone. But somebody prayed for that service last night. As most of you know, we've been in, 40, uh, in a 40-day fast here at the church. I think, what, it ends tomorrow if I'm not mistaken. But not only a 40-day fast, as Brother Dan has encouraged us, not only should we fast, but we should pray. If we want to keep our spiritual sharpness, 
If we want to stay in tune with what God is doing today, we're going to choose and set aside time to fast. Amen. Jesus stayed renewed by connecting to the source of his power. Someone says, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow through my life and to be effective in my life. I want to be able to witness to the unsaved and watch God deal with them and watch them come to the Lord. It won't happen unless you pray. And we won't pray unless we make room for it because all of us are busy. There's not a one of us that we could not say, I'm busy. Some that have retired, so I thought when I retired, I could rest a while. I've had so many people to tell me when they retired, they became more busy. And the devil will do everything he can, possibly can, to stop us from spending time in prayer before the Lord. Look at number three. He carved out time with the Lord. First of all, carved out time for Christ is a sacrifice. Praying is not easy. Somebody say amen. Okay, what you say? If praying was easy and it just came naturally, he would not have rose up early in the morning and went to a private, solitary place. I preach, I sing, I visit the hospitals, I witness, but I'll tell you the hardest thing or one of the hardest things in ministry or the hardest thing in a Christian's life is prayer. We have to make time for it and we have to be patient. Jesus rose early. If we would pray well, we must pray early. Remember this when tempted to neglect prayer because of time. True prayer is difficult. Over the years, I've read the life and biography and the operation of great men and women, not only in the Bible, but in the last uh, many years. And many of those men and women rose up and they began prayer at 4 o'clock. I'm going to tell you, it's not easy to get up and have prayer at 4 o'clock. In fact, many of these men and women, if they had something to do, like many of them, they had to go minister on horseback. They didn't have automobiles. They, the circuit was that they rode horseback. And if they had to be somewhere early in the morning and they had to leave at 4 o'clock, they rose up before 4 o'clock making sure they spent time in prayer before they went to minister to anyone. Rising early sometimes is not easy, but it is very, very important. We need to pray. And sometimes praying is a sacrifice. Amen? It's the reason people won't do it. You want to deal with your busy life? Get up early in the morning and pray. Again, it's not easy, especially when it's cold and dark outside. It's just not easy. Number two, look at it. 
not only is carved out time and sacrifice, but carved out time should also be unhurried. We should ask God for some getting up grace. If anybody likes to sleep early, I sleep in early, I do. I think about getting up and it's so warm in that bed and maybe it's cold outside and you just don't want to get up and pray. You know, we've worn out the snooze button, folks. God's calling us to a time of sacrifice. God's calling us to an unhurried time. That was what was so great about last night. It was unhurried. I mean, how long has it been since we've prayed and not had a period? God, we want to finish this and we'll put a period on the end and that's it. I'm ready to go. I got to get out. Listen, there are times when we pray short prayers and that's great. There are times when we have our devotion and we take about five minutes, maybe four minutes to read our devotion, spend about five maybe minutes in prayer and we're off to work. God will bless that. That itself is not unimportant. But God expects us, you and I, if Jesus had to rise early, if he had to pray all night, if he had to spend time in fellowship with the Father, so will you and I. Our day becomes less hectic. We may be just as busy, but it seems like the day fits together when we're like Jesus Christ and say, I'm going to get up early or I'm going to go to prayer and I'm not going to put a period there. I'm going to spend time meditating, praying before God. Now, I know this is not like other sermons. It's a challenge. But Jesus Christ knew what it was to sacrifice. He knew what it was to be unhurried. Christ made business, I love this statement, a reason to pray, not an excuse not to pray. You pray today, just too busy. Let me say that again. I love this statement. Jesus Christ made business a reason to pray, not an excuse not to pray. Not only should our prayers or our prayers a sacrifice, not only should they be unhurried, but look at number three. Carved out time with God should be insulated. The Bible says he not only got up early, but he went to a deserted place. One translation is a desert place. An insulated place. You say, Brother Don, what's an insulated place where there's no telephone, iPhone, computer, where no one will disturb us? I I like that. It's a sacrifice. It's an unhurried time. But it is an insulated time. No distractions. We've turned off the television. We sort of pray with one eye closed and one eye open. Now, I know the Bible says watch and pray, and there are times to watch and pray. But I believe there are times that we should insulate ourselves, isolate ourselves, and say, God, it's just me and you. It's just me and you. 
Our time is a sacrifice. It's an unhurried time. It is an insulated time. It is a private prayer. Over and over again, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Luke chapter 21, verse 37. Luke chapter 32, verse 39. John chapter 6, verse 15. All of these are times where Jesus Christ isolated himself from everyone else. In fact, when you see what Jesus was doing, for instance, when he called his, when he called his 12 disciples, when he would go out and have great campaigns of miracles, you would find, first of all, he spent time in private prayer to his Father. We expect to affect, affect the world. We, we expect to be a powerful witness for Jesus Christ. We expect the Holy Spirit to flow through us without this time of preparation. It won't happen. I know that's hard. And I know it's not easy because, you know, the flesh, Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, Hey, guys, couldn't you at least pray with me one hour? He went back and he went back again and they were, what? They were sleeping. They had, they had pressed the snooze button. They went back to sleep. And Jesus said, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. We're not living in Mayberry any longer. One of the episodes of Mayberry was a man in a hurry. Man in a hurry. His car knocked off there and nobody could fix it. It was on Sunday, but he wanted it fixed. He had to go to Charlotte. He was on his way to Charlotte. He had a very important business meeting in Charlotte. And so Andy was trying to help him to get his car fixed, and he got Goober or Gomer, not Goober, Gomer. Not a lot of difference in their mentality, Goober and Gomer. And this whole episode, is he's so busy. They're sitting back rocking on the front porch. And Andy's peeling an apple. And he's able to peel that apple without breaking any of the peeling. It's, it's all one strain. And he was so proud of himself. Look at there. And the guy said, yeah. He wasn't impressed with Andy's apple peeling. He was uptight. The end of the program, after he learned a little something, he was sitting on the front porch. The busy man, the man in a hurry. And he was peeling his apple and had a long apple peeling hanging on him. It'd be good for us sometimes as we sat on the front porch and thought. It'd be good for us if we would realize, God, you want me to get along with you. You want me to spend time. I know it's a sacrifice. I know we have children. I know we have jobs. I know we have all of this stuff to do. We go on vacation. We're going to rest. We have to rest when we get back from vacation because we're too tired. Am I telling the truth? Jesus Christ here, this whole chapter, 
It's about him going here and going there, busy here, busy there. You say, well, he was doing good things. Yes, he was. He was preaching. He was healing the sick. He was teaching the disciples. And yet he found time. He knew that he had to get up early the next morning and replenish himself to build back that that he had given out. And many of us, many of us, we fail to do that. I look at ministers over the past few years, many, several years now, this one that was so powerful in ministry, so powerful in preaching. And they were able to affect thousands and millions of lives. And they were going and they were going and they were going and they were doing. One especially, that he had such a powerful ministry affecting lives, and, but he was busy. David Wilkerson, the great prophet, goes to him and he talks to him and he said, you've got to do this. You've got to slow down. You've got to spend time with God. You've got to get along with God. He did not do that and he failed. And when he failed, he fell hard. Many Christians today fall because they don't carve out that time with God. We have an excuse. We're busy. God, you know I've got to visit the hospitals. You know I've got to visit the rest homes. You know I've got to preach. You know I've got to prepare for Sunday school, uh, my Sunday school lesson. I've got to do all of these things. God said, time out. Wait a minute. It's a sacrifice. You may have to get up at four, five, maybe six o'clock. You may have to miss your favorite television program. And, and in fact, you say, preacher, I'm doing good things. Look, look at what this, I just love this. Go back with me before we read. 35 through 39 and 1. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon, which is Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. You know what he was doing before he, that whole day? He was preaching. He was ministering. He was healing the sick. And boy, he had the crowds. And he got out of the house. He got away from his disciples and away from the crowd. And he was praying. And here comes Peter and his disciples and said, wait a minute. We've been advertising in the Durham Herald. And we've been putting it on WTVD and Channel 5. And, and, and you've got a whole lot of people that's coming just to see you. You're popular, Jesus. You can write a biography. You can get your own reality show. Oh, you, you can get the largest building and fill it up. They come to see you. They like you, Jesus. They want what you have, Jesus. Notice what he says. But he said to them, let's go into the next towns. 
He knew his priorities. He didn't gloat over the crowds coming to see him. He didn't utilize that to build up himself with fame and bestow on him all the accolades that probably could be bestowed on him. He said, wait a minute. Yeah, but Lord. Yeah, but Jesus. There's good people out there. There's hungry people out there. There's sick people out there. There are needs out there. Jesus said, let's go to the next town. Leave those right here. And you might say, but God, there's somebody that needs me. Lord, I can do so much good here. Look at the people clamoring. Look at the people that's re- that I'm responsible for. Look at all the people that's dependent on me. Jesus said, let's go to the next town. Let's not stay here. Jesus knew his priorities. He didn't let circumstances control him. He said, for this reason I came. And you may think that getting up on Monday, Tuesday, whatever morning it might be, you may think that's the most important thing in the world. And the Holy Spirit, in your time of prayer, God may speak to you and tell you to go to the next town. I'm not talking about moving to another city or another state. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about go somewhere else where God wants. You see, he didn't trade the best for just the next best. Jesus Christ had his priorities in the right place. Not only... An insulated prayer of no distractions. Not only an insulated, insulated prayer of private, of private prayer, but I have listed here reasons for this private exercise of devotion. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Jesus Christ. I'm closing, but this is important. All of it's important, but this is so important. You see, the devil will attack you and me in our minds. This is where he starts, right here. This is where he starts unbelief, doubt. This is where he starts anger. All the negative things is right here. And Paul right into the church at Philippi said, let this mind be in you. What kind of mind was in Jesus Christ who humbled himself? First of all, a mind of humility. Second of all, a mind that was very, very unselfish. And if I'm going to deal with life, if I'm going to deal with struggles, if I'm going to stop the devil from using my mind to to create all kind of negative thoughts, if I'm going to keep my mind pure and holy, then I want to spend time before God. That's where it's at. 
It's not watching television. It's not talking on the telephone. It's not texting. Now, there, I'm, there, there are some things that's good, in that, and, and you know that. It's not Facebooking. It's not Twittering. I don't think that's a word. It's not doing all of that stuff. Because that's where the enemy comes and he plows into your mind and he puts all of these thoughts there. But I'll tell you what happens when you rise early and you go to pray and you isolate yourself and you sacrifice. It cleans and clears and sets that mind right. That's powerful. That's powerful. That God wants us to do that. I, I, I want to I I list these things, and I'm, I'm trying to hurry. The reasons for this exercise. The impressions of the public ministry may be maintained on the mind. What I'm saying there is this. If I'm not careful what happened to me last night, as I sat for two hours worshiping God, if I'm not careful... When I walk out that door, turn on the television, speak maybe, maybe, maybe a conversation, I don't know, it's, maybe if it's even right or whatever. But if I'm not careful, the devil will take what happened last night and steal that from me. He'll take this Sunday morning service and we'll walk out that door. And we may even forget about it. It will not benefit us like when we go before God in a sacrificial way, in a private way, in an insulated way. And and we go there and we pray. God has a way of just causing that beautiful day to go over and over in your mind. And it's more apt to stay there. Then all of a sudden, boom, we're out of here. We're gone. We're laughing and talking, and we all do it, and I do it too. But if we're not careful, it's stolen away from me. But praying privately, sacrificially, will help that to stay there. And when the devil comes at you, you can laugh at him. No matter the circumstances. Look at, look at number two. If a Christian in his public exercise had attained to high enjoyment... Every stratagem will be used by Satan to rob him of his treasure. These men I were telling you about, not just them, these preachers. One of them sold more more songs, more albums than anyone in the world. And these, these preachers and us Christians and the believer, if we're not careful, we have these highs and we have these accomplishments and we see all these things and all of a sudden we don't go to that private place to get a balance there. And we become unbalanced. We we start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. But when we go pray, And we come before God with that unselfishness and that humility. And we have the mind of Christ. We can walk out of that private room. We can walk out of our secret closet. And we're able to have life in balance. That's good preaching, Brother Don. That's good stuff. may not help you, but it helps me. And I believe it will. Number three. 
In public, we're apt to be excited, but feelings that are, are excited may be deceitful. And every wise man will test these feelings in the very presence of God. When God's spirit moves and the anointing moves and, 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 and maybe there's, there's, all, there's all kind of things done in the, in the name of the Lord. We're flesh. We're human. And I may blow it in a service, in the presence of God. And I don't think we should walk around and be overly concerned about blowing it. I, because the Bible says if a prophecy comes forth, it, forth, it's to be judged. And the reason that is is because we are flesh. But if I don't take God moving and God working in my life, if I don't take it to that private room, if I don't take it before God isolated and insulated from everything else, and ask God, God, is this you? Or, and again, not overly fearful and doubting and unbelief. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about weighing everything I do. Doesn't matter what it is. Before God in that private time. And said, God, keep me on the straight and the narrow. It's important. Do you know how Jesus ended his life? Praying. <laughs> Father, he's hanging on the cross. If, 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 if throughout his life, though busy he was, if throughout his life he prayed, he spent much time in prayer. I find myself when I pray, I won't make the mistakes that I would have if I did not pray. Because I'm going to tell you, I have a hard time dealing with Don. I really do. Nobody bothers me like he does. If I could, I'd turn around and kick him, you know. I don't like Don sometimes. I don't like what he thinks. I don't like, I don't like his reaction. I don't know about you, but I find myself overreacting sometimes. I find myself getting upset. I find myself getting angry. But I find if I, if I take all of this before the Lord and I lay it before him, Honestly, openly, in that private, isolated place that God says, this goes here, this goes here, this is here, this is here. Don, this is not to be worried about. This, he, he speaks to us. Some of my greatest messages have been right here, right here at this altar. Maybe you'd like to pray this morning and say, Father, forgive me for not taking time to fellowship with you like I should. I've been too busy. I know it's a sacrifice, but I purpose, I purpose, I purpose in my heart. Spend time before the Lord.